0: Welcome to the Mariners podcast from Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It is Monday, July 10th in the middle of the All-Star break. Uh, Mariners coming off taking three of four from the Houston Astros. Futures game was on Saturday. That was a lot of fun. On this pod... uh, I'll wrap up the, the Houston series. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the where the Mariners stand uh, in the standings. I'll give some of my initial thoughts for the Mariners moving forward. Um, talk a little bit about my futures game experience, driving over to Seattle for that. And then uh, we'll be done. So this week, today, we'll talk Astros series. Um, if I have time, I'll put together another little pod of the Mariners draft picks thus far. Uh, diving a little deeper into each player. Obviously, these are players that a lot of us aren't super familiar with as of right now, but certainly could be centerpieces for the Mariners' future. Uh, tomorrow, we'll do a deep dive into each individual player on the 26-man roster and do mid-season grades for each. Uh, Wednesday, we'll recap the All-Star game. Thursday, we'll talk a bit about what moves I want to see the Mariners make what moves I think the Mariners might make and some of the players that the Mariners may be targeting and might be expendable out of the Mariners organization. Then on Friday, we'll preview the uh, series, the weekend series with the Detroit Tigers. So as you know, the Mariners took three of four from the Houston Astros in Houston to move to 45 and 44, one game over 500. Mariners now six games back of the Rangers in the American league West Four games back in the wild card. The Mariners have won seven of their last 10 and have a plus 36 run differential. Uh, this has been mostly on the backs of the Mariners pitching. We'll get into detail with that a little bit later. Uh, the Mariners won Friday night 10 one, uh, behind Luis Castillo. Uh, Mariners beat Hunter Brown. There's been some really interesting changes, uh, with regards to the Mariners pitching kind of, uh, under the radar over the last, uh, four games or so. Uh, Luis Castillo in this game, he picked up the win to go to six and six. He now has an ERA of 2.85. He went seven innings, five hits, one run. It was not earned. No walks, three strikeouts, uh, 65 strikes in 89. Pitches, 17 of his 27 batters faced had first pitch strikes. So what happened in this game? Mariners were down one nothing after three. Uh, and then absolutely exploded on the Astros scoring nine runs in the top of the fourth inning. Uh, this was for me reminiscent of the 01 Mariners in that they kind of just nickel and dimed the, uh, Nickel and dime the Astros to death. Uh, the sequence in this inning was, uh, single, walk, three singles, strikeout, walk, fielder's choice, hit by pitch, walk, double, double. So the Bearder scored nine runs with no home runs and two doubles, which is uh, a lot of fun. I think if you're a baseball fan, you know, I, and kind of an old school one, uh, while I like home runs, I think that it's more fun <clears throat> for me, at least to see the ball in play and to see base hits. And this was off of two very good pitchers. Hunter Brown and Phil Maton are both very good right-handed pitchers. Um, offense just started to click and it was a lot of the dudes that have been, you know, highly criticized. It was Colton Wong. It was Jared Kelnick. Um, it was. You know, uh, Mike, no no one's criticizing Mike Ford right now, but Mike Ford was in the middle of this. Eugenio Suarez, Cal Raleigh, Um, but really fun inning for Mariners fans. Mariners go up 9-1 at that point in time, and obviously the rest was smooth sailing. They added one for good measure in the ninth inning. So Mike Ford in this game goes three for three uh, with a double, a homer, um four RBIs three runs just put up all sorts of numbers Colton Wong went two for three with a run and two RBIs uh Julio went two for six with the run and two RBIs but Mariners offense put up that one big inning and that was obviously more than enough on the pitching side so I talked on Friday about how uh George Kirby went very slider heavy um to pick up the win, he really changed his pitch mix quite a bit in the game against, um, against the Astros on Thursday. He threw 45% sinkers versus, uh, his yearly average up till then was 23, was 23.6. He threw 30% sliders. His yearly average was 18. He only threw 20% forcing fastballs and his yearly average was 39%. So he basically traded out the sinker for the four-seamer and upped his slider usage. Um, This induced uh, more contact. Um, George Kirby was clearly pitching to contact on Thursday, and I I found that interesting and talked a bit about it on Friday's pod. Well, sure enough, Luis Castillo in this game against the Astros when he went seven innings and gave up one unearned run did the same thing. He threw – uh, 35% sinker in this game and he had thrown up to this point 18% sinker so he basically doubled his sinker usage up to this point he had been throwing 45% four seam fastball in this game he threw 31% he upped his slider usage to 25% over 21% for the year and he threw 9% sliders or excuse me 9% change ups and his yearly percentage was 16.5 so fewer changeups more sliders doubled his sinker usage and backed off about 50% his uh his forcing fastball usage so another sinker heavy approach from Luis Castillo um in the same way that that George Kirby had done on Thursday and it proved to be effective his whiff rate went down to 24%. It was 32 or 32.7% coming into this, this game. Um, so he was obviously pitching to more contact. He only threw 89 pitches in seven innings. And previously he was reaching hundred pitches after five and six innings. So pitching to contact a bit more uh proved to be a good approach for Castillo as it was for George Kirby. But I find it interesting that on Thursday and Friday the Mariners went sinker heavy and went away from the four seamer. The Astros hit the four seamer really well. I don't know if this was specific to the Astros or if this is going you're going to see more of this moving forward from the Mariners. Um I'll be very interested to see what they do against the Tigers uh this upcoming weekend. But as I said with George Kirby, the cool thing about this approach in my mind is now Opposing teams can't target one approach, right? If opposing teams know Luis Castillo is going to be four seam fastball up, slider down and away, and that he's going to throw uh, <coughs> sinkers and change ups to lefties, and mix in the four seamer, then he's predictable. And same thing with George Kirby; he was going fastball up, fastball up, fastball up. If now you you're thinking George Kirby's going to be fastball up and you start getting all of these sinkers, it really does screw with your approach. And so if they, if the Mariners can be multiple in their approach, meaning some days they'll lead with the sinker, some days they'll lead with the four seamer, then the other, the opposing team can't prepare or has to spread their preparation um, much wider. It's the same theory. I talked about this on the last pod. It's the same theory as um, what Bill Belichick does with his defense for the new England Patriots. He's, Multiple in that he can go three, four. He can go four, three, depending on, um, the team that he's playing that week. And I just, I love this for the Mariners. I think it's a little bit innovative. I think it's cool. Um, and obviously it proved to be very effective with Luis Castillo in this game. So Mariners beat Hunter Brown. Hunter Brown is a good rookie pitcher. Um, they knocked him out early. He struck out eight in three innings, but he gave up five runs. So Mariners win 10 one in this game. Different approach from Castillo. Mike Ford went bonkers. Uh, on Saturday, The it was Brian Wu going for the Mariners. Um, he pitched well. Six innings, three hits, two runs. Only one of them was earned. One walk, four strikeouts. Uh, but the Mariners ended up losing in this game 3-2. The Astros took a 2-0 lead in the bottom of the first. And after that, so, Brian Wu gave up three hits in the first and two runs. He retired the next 16 batters in a row until I almost said Michael Tucker, showing my age, uh, until uh, Kyle Tucker walked with two outs in the sixth. So, 16 in a row set down by Brian Wu, which is pretty impressive. Um, Mariners tied it, uh, tied the game at 2 2 in the fourth inning. So, it's 2 2 going into the bottom of the eighth when andres munoz who has been lights out this season thus far gave up a home run to martin maldonado to make the game 3-2 um he threw him three straight sliders which as i've said in the past i don't like the the repeating the same pitch against opposing hitters cuz no matter who the hitter is including a you know kind of defensive first catcher like maldonado if you know the speed that it's coming in and you know the location you know, major league hitters are going to be able to hit it. So these three sliders were all between 88 and 90 miles an hour. um, Similar location. This one was. uh, Cal Raleigh had set up. um, I believe it was Cal Raleigh. He came in later to pinch hit for Tom Murphy. It set up low and outside. There's two, I there's two, I believe there's two strikes on Maldonado, but he set up low and outside and Uh this slider was belt high in the inside half. So it's right in a in a you know power zone for Martin Maldonado. He hits it out 95 miles an hour off the bat, 371 feet. In some ways it looked like a Crawford box home run, only a 180 XBA, but it was a home run in 15 of 30 parks. So Maldonado hits this home run on a mistake slider from Andres Munoz. Uh, Astros go up 3 2 and they go on to win the game 3 2. Uh, tough luck for the Mariners. So, Brian Wu also was more sinker heavy in this game. I believe this is the first game in which he led with the sinker, uh, 42%. Uh, including this game for the year, Brian Wu is now at 26% sinker. Um, He's at 50% percent 4 seam fastball for the year, and he threw only 32% percent 4 seam fastballs in this game. So led with the sinker, four-seamer was second, which is a big shift from previous games. He, interestingly, threw 29% cutter and, excuse me, 24% cutter. Up to up to this point, including this game, he's only thrown 6% cutter. So the cutter he introduced, I believe, um, the previous start, and he threw 19 of them. In this game, uh, so new pitch, new third pitch. Um, we didn't see the slider from him at all. So fascinating to me that he's moved to this cutter. He got up to 91.6 with the cutter, uh, average 88.5. But fascinating to see him play with the pitch mix and introduce a new pitch. He's now, um, now this is the third Mariners pitcher in a row that, uh, led with the sinker against the Astros. So obviously we're seeing a trend in him doing that. Uh he was very effective, like I said, set down 16 in a row. Mariners still ended up um ended up losing this game, but great sign from Brian Wu. Super fun to see. And then Sunday, Mariners won three to one, uh, scored three runs in the top of the fourth inning and cruised from there. Logan Gilbert uh led the way, seven innings, three hits, one run, no walks, six K's, seven moves to seven and five. The three six six ERA. Um, those are the only three hits the Astros could muster against Mariners pitching. Matt Brash pitched a scoreless eighth and then Paul Seawall pitched a scoreless ninth for his 17th save. Um, in this game, Logan Gilbert, who does not really throw a sinker, actually led with the slider. So 38% slider, which was nine percent above his yearly average. Only 30% four seam fastball, which is 11% below his yearly average. And then 16% knuckle curve or 19% knuckle curve slightly above his yearly average and 13% splitter, which is pretty much spot on to what he's been doing. So he flips the four seam usage and slider usage kind of on their heads, um, led with the slider. And this was, Again, this proved to be effective, uh, for Logan Gilbert. So clearly the Mariners pitchers in this series were avoiding, um, predictability with the four seam fastball and led with a secondary pitch. All four starting pitchers did it. Uh, is this a permanent change with the Mariners? Is this an Astros approach change with the Mariners? I don't know, but super fun to watch and super fun to see numerically, uh, when you dig in. Uh, fascinating stuff at least to me I uh, definitely dorked out on pitch mix um, in this series so where does that leave us the Mariners um, overall I think are in a good place uh, so I pulled the Mariners last seven days statistics and it's really interesting to see that this offense is carried by literally by three dudes. It's Mike Ford. He's 10 for his last 23, four doubles, two homers. He's hitting four thirty-five, a one point three seven oh OPS. Um, just raking. Uh Eugenio Suarez is hitting two ninety two with a one point zero five eight OPS. He has two homers and two doubles. In the last seven days, um, he's seven for twenty-four. JP Crawford nine for twenty-eight with a uh, eight seventy-five OPS. So those three those three hitters are literally carrying this offense. While Jared Kelnick is hitting one seventy-nine, uh, Tail Hernandez hit two hundred over the last seven days. Cal Raleigh hit two eleven over the last seven days. That's actually pretty much in line for him, but he's doing it without power. Uh, Ty France is hitting 133 with a 449 OPS and Julio Rodriguez in the last seven days is hitting 290, but only a 720 OPS with no home runs. So, (coughs) excuse me. The Mariners offense is, it really is scuffling and they're still winning. Why are the Mariners winning? Because in 61 innings, over the last seven games, the Mariners pitching staff as a whole has a 1.48 ERA and a 0.80 whip. Logan Gilbert is 2-0. He surrendered eight hits in the last 16 innings with the 0.56 ERA. Brian Wu, while not, uh, not factoring into the decision in the last two games, has surrendered six hits in 12 innings, three walks, 11 strikeouts. And then you had the two stars from Castillo and, and Kirby. The bullpen outside of Paul Seawald has pitched very well. Um, Seawald gave up some runs, 13.50 ERA, but everyone else has been lights out. And so the Mariners, I think this is the formula for the Mariners to win moving forward. It's You're not going to have a 1.48 ERA but you are going to get quality pitching from the Mariners from this point forward. I think that's pretty much a given barring injury. And it's what they're going to have to lean on. There's been a lot of talk about Mariners pitching being traded, specifically uh, Brian Wu, Logan Gilbert, and Bryce Miller. And I think that would be foolhardy. It's, you've got to lean on your strength. You can't pull from your strength and make it, you know, it's like go from, being incredible and maybe the number one pitching staff in baseball to slightly below in order to add a, you know, a decent bat. If it was, as I've said before, if it was for a potential superstar bat, then sure. But that's not what um it's not what the rumors have been that those aren't the bats that are, I think, available to the Mariners at this point in time. So the formula is great pitching and timely hitting and riding the backs of a hot, or a couple of hot Mariners hitters. Right now it's Mike Ford, Eugenio Suarez, and J.P. Crawford. A couple of weeks ago, it was Julio Rodriguez and Teoscar Hernandez. Um, Beginning of the season, it was Jari Kelnick. But if the Mariners can continue to get great pitching, all you really need is, is to string together a couple of hits or have a couple of timely big hits from your stars. Right now it's, like I said, it's mirrors are being led by not by their stars, but by, you know, Mike Ford, Eugenio Suarez and JP Crawford. But eventually it's going to be tail. It's going to be Ty France. It's going to be Julio Rodriguez. Um, The offense still needs help. I definitely think the offense still needs help. I think that there's, you know, that they're a bat short, as I've said before, um, you know, if it's an Ian Hap type that's gonna get on base and not hit for a ton of power, then you're gonna need to supplement that maybe with one more bat. I do think Mike Ford changes the calculus a little bit in terms of what the Mariners need. Um, I would love to see him as a, you know, strong side he is a strong side platoon DH right now, but um maybe a few less at bats, a little less exposed, great pinch hitter off the bench, getting some starts against strong right-handed pitching, but you know I've said before Jorge Soler is a is a bat that I think the Mariners would pay for and would be a good a good uh acquisition to put in the middle of the lineup. It's that type of bat, the type of guy that's gonna be you know mid eight hundreds o p s you don't need speed you don't even really need a ton of on base what you need is power um I would love to see him, but the Mariners need some sort of eight hundred plus o p s bat to put in the middle of this lineup. And the open positions to do that would be second base, obviously, but that's hard to find and, or, and, or DH. Um, I do believe Julio Rodriguez will get hot. I think Taylor Hernandez will get hot. I don't know if you can say the same about Jared Kelnick, given his inability to hit breaking stuff, but we'll see that adjustment is truly going to determine whether he has a good career with the Mariners or not. Um, and I'm interested to see if this pitch mix changes uh, moving forward for the Mariners, a couple other signs that I think are positive. Um, you know, Texas is three and seven in their last ten, and they really do lack starting pitching depth. After Jacob Degrom went down um, and Jacob Rizzi went down, they're not in a great place. Uh, Nathan Avaldi has been great this season, but he's been inconsistent recently, and his velocity's been way down. Um, he's an all-star and a worthy one, but watch his health moving forward. But then you've got the likes of Chad Bradford, uh, Andrew Heaney, Dane Dunning, Martin Perez. You know, that's kind of the same old, same old as far as Rangers, the quality of Rangers pitching. And then John Gray, who's also been very good. So if Gray and Ivaldi continue to pitch the way they did in the first half, I think the Rangers are going to be very good, but there's, no guarantee that's going to happen, especially with the varying um, velocity with the Uh, I think there's more upside to Andrew Heaney specifically with strikeouts. Um, needs a tough out at times. He's lacked control so far this season, but the Rangers pitching is, is not great. Uh, I know that they are in, in the hunt to acquire Lance Lynn. That wouldn't surprise me. He has history there. He'd round out that rotation a bit, but you, one more injury to that staff, there was a, an injury even a for a couple of weeks to an Iovaldi or a Gray, then Texas is in trouble. Their offense is great. We know that. But they're going to be back to the old slugging Rangers um, with an injury. So I expect Texas to fall a little bit. I don't expect them to be as hot as they were in the first half of the season. And, again, they're starting pitching um, – lacks depth in my mind. They have a couple of minor league starting pitchers who are decent. Owen right Owen White, I think, is a back end of the top one hundred type of pitching prospect. Um he's been up and down with his stuff over the last couple of years. So he's one to watch. Um but he could slot in eventually in the middle towards the end of that rotation, probably end this season and in the middle moving forward, um, if he's to reach his peak. Uh Takoa Roby is in double A. He's <clears throat> probably a back of the rotation starter. And then their number two pick a couple of years ago out of Vanderbilt was Jack Leiter, who was supposed to move quickly. Incredible slider, very good four-seam fastball, um, but is no semblance of command or control so far in the major, in the minor leagues, which is was completely out of left field um, because he was seen as a, a really polished pitcher coming out of Vanderbilt. And then their number three pick last season, Kumar Rocker is injured and um out for the season. So they were supposed to have more pitching depth coming forward. They don't as of right now. Obviously, Jacob deGrom is out as well. Uh I believe they'll make a trade for a starter. It's just a matter of how good that starter will be. Um But if I'm a Rangers fan, I'm nervous. I, I think that the Mariners and potentially the Astros are going to be creeping on them uh, pretty quickly here. The Astros are two games back. As you saw in this series, the Mariners faced, um, Framber Valdez, Brandon Bielak, JP France, uh, Hunter Brown. They also have Christian Javier, who they're resting right now. Javier is great. He's probably a top, you know, 25 starter in baseball when he's going well. So to have Javier and Valdez at the top of that rotation and then France and Brown behind him, Houston has a good rotation. Um, Jose Irkidi Urqu- may come back later on this season. We saw Ronel Blanco in this in this uh, series. We did not see JP France. We saw ronald Blanco. Um, he's a good arm, but he looks more to be a back of the rotation or middle or uh, uh, middle relief type of arm. And so, I, I think they could trade for pitching too, potentially, because um, they don't have a ton of depth in the minor leagues. So I say all this because those are the Mariners' main competitors in the AL West. Uh, I think the Mariners have a shot. I really, really do. Um, they're six out, but the Mariners by far have the best pitching in the division. Um, you've gotten some less than expected performances offensively from individuals in the Mariners' lineup. And so if you've got the best pitching, weather's warming up. Mariners have some notoriously slow starters in their offense. Uh, and the Mariners also have the best player, the best hitter, the best offensive player on either on any of these teams outside of Jordan Alvarez and Julio Rodriguez. And right now Jordan Alvarez is hurt. So if Julio heats up and this pitching continues to be dynamite, I think the Mariners catch one, if not both of these teams. And I do think the Mariners will be a playoff team this season. We will dig more individually and in detail into that um, in the next couple of days. Good signs ahead in my mind. So on Saturday I took off for Walla Walla or from Walla Walla to Seattle to watch the futures game. it had always been a dream of mine to uh, go to the futures game when it was elsewhere, I had considered flying to the All-Star game, not for the game itself, but for the Futures. Um, love minor leaguers, do a minor league podcast, as you know. Um, and so this was kind of a, an opportunity of a lifetime for me. Uh, my buddy Aaron had tickets. He was can't go to all the events, so he sold them to my buddy Matt. And so Matt and I met up Uh for those in seattle went to paseo hadn't been to paseo in years um super bomb had a uh caribbean bowl with some you know some stewed pork and rice and beans and and a, and a Modelo. it was and you know, it was sunny out it was just really kind of for a baseball fan and someone that likes to eat it was it was money uh walked up to the game i was really surprised i don't know what the official attendance was at the game but i don't know if i've ever seen a futures game with that many people uh, had to have been 25,000, 30,000 people at the game. Atmosphere was cool. You you could hear where the families of each player was because they would cheer when they were introduced. Clearly, the players on the field were super psyched to be there, kind of in awe of the huge stadium in some ways. Uh, paid close attention to Jonathan Classe and Harry Ford. Classe is a stocky dude um, and fast, he took some what I consider to be less than perfect routes in center field to fly balls, but that doesn't knock the fact that I think he will be able to stick in center if the Mariners decide that's where they want him to be. I also think he's showing enough in center that if a team is targeting him in trade, you can see him as a center field center fielder, excuse me. He looked a little overmatched um, at the plate. I know he's put up some big numbers. I don't know if his hit tool is going to uh be great in in Major League Baseball, but he certainly has the power and the speed. Um he's a fun player though, exciting player for sure. Uh Harry Ford's just fun. I saw some interviews with him leading up to the game. He's really did kind of take the uh take the the role of being the host in some ways since he's a Seattle prospect. Uh, very charismatic dude. You can see him leading, leading the team from the catcher position, takes that seriously. Uh, you know, again, charismatic, big smile, um, stocky, short, stocky player, uh, kind of your inside. It's funny because on the one end, he's such a unique catcher because he's fast and he takes a ton of walks. And he could play, you know, you could see him playing second base or third base or a corner outfield if he had to. Um, So in some ways, he's like a unicorn at catcher, especially considering his speed. On the other hand, he's got that that like old school typical catcher's build. He's short, he's super stocky. It's all in his body, you know, his thighs, Um, uppercut swing. I don't know that Harry Ford's ever going to hit 280, but he's got power, takes walks. Again, he's super fast for a catcher and it's fun because both, both of these players had a ton of personality, even e- their personalities even stood out amongst all of the personalities that were on the field at the futures game. So for me, that was super fun to see. Uh, it was just a really fun atmosphere. Sun was out, you know, it was, it was baseball in Seattle and kind of at its, at its peak. Um So that game was like, again, it was a bucket list thing for me to do, to go to the futures game and uh, see all the great talent on the field. It was, there's a lot of high nineties fastballs. Um, There were a lot of overmatched hitters at times. Uh, Jackson holiday didn't look as great to me as I expected him to, which was interesting because, you know, he's my number one prospect. I think he's still got some work to do in the field. Um, but there were just it was just fun to see all that talent on the field. I miss Noelvi Marte. Um, he was out there for the Reds. Uh, he was one of my favorite Mariners prospects. Uh, made me feel old seeing Justin Crawford out there because I was a fan of his dad, Carl Crawford, when he first came up. Oh, one one pitcher that I absolutely loved was Tink Hens, uh, St. Louis Cardinals uh, right-handed starting pitcher. He's six one, if that uh, skinny dude high socks um from arkansas is just out there throwing big smoke and uh really big curveball i hope he stays healthy he's got that slight build but has swag had style um just a fun 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 pitcher to watch uh jackson Churio's matured he's a lot bigger than i thought he was uh carson wisenhunt left-handed starting pitcher for the giants um fun pitcher I think he's going to be up uh before we know it and then Jacob Mizorowski is a the number one starting pitching prospect for the Milwaukee Brewers he was the most impressive player in this game he was hitting 101 102 slider right around 90 miles an hour you could tell that and a funky delivery you could tell that the the guys that were trying to hit against him were completely and utterly overmatched. Um, I don't know if the delivery will work as a starter. Uh, but when he comes up, man, he's, he's going to be lights out. Uh, so super fun. Again, the atmosphere was cool. Definitely a celebration. Uh, very thankful to be able to, uh, be able to attend that game to see friends, uh, Good food, just, just a blast for a baseball fan. If you are into, if you're a dork like me and you're into it, you've got to go to the futures game at least once. Um, so this was today's Mariners cast, uh, Monday, July 10th. We will be back tomorrow with, uh, midseason grades for each of the, uh, Mariners on the 26 man roster. Talk about what we expect from them moving forward. And then Wednesday, we'll recap the all star game. Thanks for listening to the Mariners Cast from Sports Ethos. Once again, my name is Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior20. It's T-I-N-O-J-R-20. And the podcast at Ethos Mariners. E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Go check out the iTunes page. Um subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a review. Uh every little bit helps. Appreciate the listen. Enjoy your Monday. Uh, All-star games coming up. Always a lot of fun. Appreciate the listen. Take care of y'all. Peace.